welcome podcast listeners to the most macho horror movie podcast in the known multiverse why it's dead and lovely <laughs> let's do the whole thing in wrestle voice what do you think can you do it okay okay <laughs> listen to me mean gene <laughs> we're gonna talk about what lies beneath <laughs> I mean, everybody talks about like how all of them were hooked on like alcohol and pain pain pills and stuff like this, but I bet yeah. like there was a huge like Ludens and Halls addiction going through the entire <laughs> wrestling league. How did those guys keep those voices up, man? <laughs> there had to be <laughs> a pack of Halls a day I habit. I guarantee you, it was like in Randy Savage's writer that like he had to have some uh, some hot tea and honey. <laughs> <laughs> Please, for the love of God, my promo. throat is killing me. <laughs> Why, it's Dad and Lovely here with the hey. host with the most. It's me, your good buddy, Uncle Ben. And me, Hollywood Steve. And we're here to give you guys our thoughts on a little movie called What Lies Beneath, as well as shoot the shit, drink some beers, and just do some catching up, because it has been yeah. another long weekend lockdown without my Steve, so I want to find yeah, out man. what that boy's been up to. How you been doing this week, Steve? Long weekend lockdown, <laughs> just yeah. locking it down, man. Uh, not a whole lot, really. Just uh, chilling, chilling, minding my business. My wife and I had the old anniversary. Did I talk about that? Oh, already? you and no. the old ball and chain, huh? Yeah. I didn't talk about that already because last week we recorded on Tuesday. My anniversary was Wednesday, so Wednesday. Emily and I uh, had the options of uh, getting drunk and staying home or staying home and getting drunk. Ooh, so we did both. That's a tough choice. Yeah, that's a good call. Mm-hmm. Just get them both done just in case. Uh, I also, as I said, uh, had pizza for the first time in about a year. Was it a taste of the old country? Oh, man. Let me tell you this. Uh, the the dough, mm. the sauce, mm. uh, the cheese. A maron, manja bafangu. It's just like Noni used to make back in the old yeah. country. <laughs> back in the old country, uh, the the spratlings are definitely Italian. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so I, I as I said last week, I was not sure if I'd be able to get through a piece. So I grabbed the biggest piece because I was like, this will probably be the only piece I can eat. And uh, I did have to take a break after the biggest piece. But I got two pieces down, Ben. Look out, two. dude. Yeah. And isn't it wild? Like, don't you remember being like 12 years old and eating a whole large pizza? How oh, yeah, in I the could... fuck did we do that? A year ago, I could have eaten that whole large pizza. But wow. yeah, now it's just like, uh, yeah, like after a piece, I was like, okay, this is as full as I've been in a long time. And then I was like, but it's so good. <laughs> I have to force myself. Well, that's the thing, though, is like, you know, considering you've been living so low carb for so long, like yeah. full on meat and veggies is a different mm-hmm. kind of full than like I'm full yep. of bread. It's a different it really feeling. Is. It really is. I I actually hadn't felt that sort of like pushing against the walls of your stomach type yeah. of full uh-huh. in a long time, and it's I don't miss it honestly. But it's, do you miss it the pizza? I do miss pizza. Oh, so, so much. The it was bad. so good. We we this was the first time I had eaten out at all uh since the the uh pandemic started. Of course we didn't go uh, in any. We ate at home, but we ordered pizza uh from my favorite place here in Knoxville, which is Wise Guys Pizza. And man, I'll tell you what. Totally worth it. 
delicious, awesome stuff. Nice, man. Sounds like you guys had yourself a pretty good old time. Oh yeah, we got yeah we got drunk, had some pizza, and and hung out, and Emily painted my toenails. So you can tell the night went well. <laughs> Splendid. That's yeah. awesome, man. You been watching anything good this week? Uh, yeah. That night, actually, we watched Villains, which you had recommended with yeah, uh, uh-huh. uh, Bill Skarsgård and Micah Monroe from uh, It Follows. It really flew under the radar. Like Kate and I watched yeah. that on a whim a couple months ago, and we didn't know anything about it. We just watched the trailer, mm-hmm. and we were like, "Oh, this looks kind of cool and fucked up." Yeah, pretty neat. Did you like it? It is. I liked it a lot. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. It, it reminded me of a few things, but it was also, I would say, pretty unique. It was. Uh, I, I think it had a, a Coen Brothers kind of uh, humor to it a little bit. I can see that dark and dry. Yeah. Yeah, dark and dry. But it was. It was. Uh, it, Definitely its own sort of thing, and and Bill Skarsgård was great. Michael Monroe was great. Uh, what's his name? Gosh, I cannot remember that guy's name from that show on USA where Burn Notice. Oh Burn yeah, Notice yeah, yeah. Guy mm-hmm. was in it. He's really good, and also, uh, crap. What's her name? That lady, <laughs> the, the skinny lady, <laughs> the closer. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. What's her name? Yeah. Is on there? Fuck. What is her name? She was so good. Anyway, yeah, uh, yeah. It t- uh, yeah, kind of takes a lot some, of fun some turns in there too. It gets it pretty does. dark. It do for sure. I'm glad you liked it. But yeah, yeah, I had a good time watching that. And I also watched uh, the uh, Dark Side of the Ring episode on the Road Warriors slash oh, Legion fuck. of Doom. Yeah, LOD, dude. Dude, those guys, I like seriously, they were just mean, tough, bully dudes who were barroom brawlers who became wrestlers. So they walked like, the walk, you're saying? They were bad asses, yes. Damn. <laughs> I had no so, idea. Yeah, and also, I never realized like just how big they were. Those guys were gigantic dudes. Really? They were so huge. Not like, as far as height, I think they're probably about six foot, six two, whatever. Mm-hmm. But both of them had to be 300 pounds around of just sheer muscle damn it, dude yeah i mean it's all steroids like they talk about it in the episode like they were <laughs> very much on steroids they're both dead uh, now as, aren't they oh no no uh uh one of them is dead and animal's still alive okay yeah, yeah i think hawk, hawk, is, died. hawk died yeah, yeah. r.i.p see animal you at the crossroads hawk in, yeah for sure uh animal is in the the documentary uh, a good bit and talks like openly about it so like it is interesting to see like how 80s wrestling really was in a lot of ways these bad fuckers like these hardcore dudes and then some bodybuilder guys yeah <laughs> like, <laughs> you watch guys like hogan winning the championship knowing you could destroy him in an actual fight <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's changed so much, man. I mean, it's like these days you can go into becoming a wrestler so that you could later become an actor or, you know, yeah, yeah. a, a, a that, political that a official. Route. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or if you, uh, you know, want to uh, up your stock in professional wrestling, you can start doing mixed martial arts. Yeah. Then come back to professional wrestling and everybody's like, oh, he's a legit badass. Like, yeah. 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 It's a different kind of world. I'd like to watch it's that. Way it sounds world. like that's pretty badass because those, those yeah, two. Yeah, you got his- they were always ones that like my brother and I would like play pretend uh-huh. ass when we were kids and stuff, you know? Uh-huh. We always yeah, thought that they were really the most coolest. awesome. Yeah, their costumes yeah. and everything were always super they dope. They made all that shit themselves. They came up with all like the paint and stuff. Like all that was their ideas. And it's just these guys that, again, 
it's so weird to hear that those were their ideas because they're just talking about like beating dudes up and like doing drugs and shit. And then it's like, they also have this artistic side. <laughs> oh, they had to have little craft nights to put spikes yes, on the shoulder pads. Exactly. That's adorable. Uh-huh. And they're doing their own paint in the back and stuff. Like, it, it's Aww. crazy. Good for yeah. them, man. Well, I hung out with you a little bit there the other night during the old streaming chat oh, yeah. that we do on Discord every week. We dropped mm-hmm. in for a second there and hung out before we started the uh, What Lies Beneath, the subject of the show today. And yeah. uh, Joe Bob Briggs was hosting a presentation of a, of a little trauma flick. Yeah, Trauma's War, which starts like Lost, basically. The beginning of Trauma's War is the beginning of Lost. So, what's up, J.J. Abrams? You stealing <laughs> from Trauma? What's going on? <laughs> Everything that I saw just seemed like it was a bunch of uh making fun of people with aids and people getting yeah. ra- raped in a jungle and lots of yeah. shooting yeah trauma movies don't hold up no they don't <laughs> they don't hold up at all they don't but then it's like uh, whenever you see stuff with lloyd coffin as as we saw lots of uh yeah in, he in between was segments being there. interviewed in between yeah <laughs> i don't think that he does anything maliciously like i don't think that he's really no. out to literally make fun of people with aids and be malicious or anything like that like no he's just such a fucking screwball weird guy i don't think he can yeah. have a malicious bone in his body you know well yeah i'm not I making think, excuses uh, i'm not making excuses for any of it but well, i i think we do have to we have to let two periods clash here and that one period was a period in fighting for free speech mm-hmm. and the more current period where we're telling people yeah you can say whatever you want but like legit you need to understand you're hurting people yeah (laughs) and like yes you can say any word you want no one can arrest you no one can you know take your home away but if you get your money from the people and the people don't like you anymore your money goes away if you keep upsetting them Mm-hmm. that's the new world that's the world we live in so free speech was defended you did it way to go defended we showed everybody you should be able to say whatever the hell you want and show whatever the hell you want and do whatever the hell you want yes now there is the world of repercussion right yeah there's, the there's consequences where, that follow these things up too yes the world where somebody can say directly like hey you know when you keep making fun of gay people i'm gay it <laughs> yeah. hurts me yeah these are Stop, real people please <laughs> yes like that that's i mean it's just a constant situation of of older people with this idea that it's all about free speech and it's like yes 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 we fought that fight we're there you're you've reached the mountaintop you literally can say whatever you want you're no longer fighting anyone. <laughs> Please just consider other people's feelings. Yeah, no doubt. No doubt, man. Yeah. I, I kind of got the impression, too, that I think Joe Bob wasn't exactly nuts about hanging out with, with, with Lloyd. <laughs> I, I, yeah, you said that, and, and I, I did start to see that. I think, I think some of it was that Lloyd really was going over time. God, he was talking and talking and yeah. talking. Don't be wrong. like He's yeah. a treat, but it's just like... Okay, man, there are time limits to this stuff. Yeah, but I think the other thing was that 
just this week, uh, Joe Bob was in some hot water because uh, an article he had written in the past that was, I, I would say, out of context, just looking at it, is gently poking fun at the expanding of LGBTQIA+, like the addition of letters, etc. Mm -hmm. And and maybe like just giving it my most generous reading for a, a man who's done so much for the horror community the most generous reading maybe just saying like you know in the end of the day none of that matters like we're all people but the problem is that it was it was on a website owned by a nazi oh shit and when you put that in context you you can't have a gentle ribbing of the lgbt community in the context of nazism uh, so, no context matters so, <laughs> yeah the context matters now uh, joe bob has come out and tried to explain like listen this is a guy who gave me a lot of chances early on and i was trying to help him out and i did not know about these things etc and i think it does kind of help especially if you kind of look at it in context and realize like this is Joe Bob's thing. He playfully pokes fun at stuff. It's a character. It's He's supposed to be this sort of like, you know, redneck individual who comes at it from this non-PC perspective. But once you put it in the context of Nazi <laughs> propaganda or, you know, a Nazi's website, it's just like, mm, that doesn't work. It, it doesn't shine no up excuse. quite so well, no. Yeah, but I, I, he has apologized. Uh, I'm not the one to accept those apologies. I think as as hetero white men, like we can we can be you know on the side, we can be allies. But like at the end of the day, we're we're just on the sidelines. Like there's no reason. Yeah, it's not my fight. For yeah, there's no reason for me to be able to say Joe Bob's forgiven. But it did seem on Twitter that. A lot of people were saying, you know, th thanks for saying all this and, and thanks for, you know, actually having the conversation. So hopefully this all gets mended because I think Joe Bob Briggs is, is not only extremely intelligent, but has always tried to be open to everyone. And, and I, I don't think he was trying to be malicious, but I'm not going to ever be able to explain someone else's intentions so. yeah sure 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 yeah well it was a good hang i mean that movie is just yeah, ridiculous as fuck there's a guy that uh got his arm blown off and then beat a guy to death with his own severed arm that's awesome that is yeah there were some there were some cool deaths and stuff but yeah at the end of the day it really was just a whole bunch of like caricatures of of uh different you know uh at the time i guess 80s outrageous characters yeah, yeah, pretty much. It's a strange yeah. one. It's a strange one. And you guys be sure to to hang out with us every Friday on the old Discord streaming chat. You guys can get Hell info yeah. from that or info about that just by dropping us a message. How you guys can yeah. join the fun, hang out, get a pull, and chit chat with your fellow dead and lovely listeners. It's a damn fun time. It's a damn old fun time. Dude, I've had myself a fun time this week because I've been watching some comedies. Oh, yeah? Yeah, it's a dark time. There's a lot of bad news these days and stuff. So sometimes you just want to watch a funny. That's <laughs> true. I feel that way a lot. So in order to start watching a funny, we decided to start going through uh, the Shit's Creek series. Oh, yeah. I've seen the first episode of that and really wanted to keep, keep watching it, but I, I've not gotten back to it. 
so far we're like three or four episodes in and it it's pretty funny it's pretty yeah. dry it's kind of the very dry yeah the sort of humor that you're used to seeing like eugene levy in it stars eugene mm-hmm. levy and his and his son yeah uh as well as Catherine o'hare who's great who's fucking fantastic man and uh yeah we started watching that and it's been fun but honestly like just seeing Catherine o'hare and eugene levy together on screen i was like man it's been so long since we watched a mighty wind oh okay so we went through and watched that again the other night it had been a couple of years uh-huh. since i saw it god damn it that movie is so funny <laughs> and just so <laughs> accurate it's ridiculous man yeah <laughs> god dude i i love the christopher guest stuff i know it's not really for everybody and there's a lot of them that it's I, not it's very dry yeah and there's a lot of those yeah, movies I, that, like i saw the first time and i was like i didn't really like that and then the second time you're like rolling in the floor laughing right and uh yeah so mighty wind is so it's so good it really might be my favorite of the christopher guest movies and there's always like little stuff in there that i forget about like the new Main Street Singers, like the big like nine-piece group that's in there that does all the ridiculous <laughs> harmonies and stuff. But then they're also like kind of a cult on the side. Uh-huh. <laughs> on they're the like side. wink, witches in something nature's colors, witches in nature's colors. That's what it is. <laughs> God, it's so ridiculous, man. So we we started watching that, and I was like, this is putting me in the mood to go through and watch all the Christopher Guest movies. Okay. So last night we turned on uh, the the original. This is Spinal Tap. Yeah. Check that one out again. Been a while since I saw that. Again, still absolutely hilarious. And there's little <laughs> stuff in there that like you just don't notice. Where even though I've seen Spinal Tap a million times, Kate pointed it out just last night while we were watching it that like during the the opening credits where it's like introducing the band and it puts like their name and their title of the band or the title their title in the band on screen. Mm-hmm. It shows David St. Hubbins and it says lead guitar. And then it shows Nigel Tufnell and it says lead guitar. (laughs) Just like little tiny stuff like that that's so stupid. And there's so much little shit in there too that they never even address. Like whenever they're at that big record party and they all have like cold sores on their face. Uh Uh-huh. But they never talk about it or explain it. Just little shit like that <laughs> cracks me yeah, up, man. There had to be some, cause like, yeah, it's like so much improv and stuff. There had to be something there, but then they the improv went a different way, and they were just like, "Hey, we'll just cut. Just they'll just have those." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> big deal. Yeah, and that's the thing is like, honestly, the fact that they never explain it makes it funnier because you're just yeah. all you're just assuming it's like they all got herpes from the same right. person. I guess <laughs> exactly right. So it's actually funnier that they didn't explain it. Yeah, it's it's great, man. Honestly, and you know, of course, you got to give it the credit that whenever this Spinal Tap came out, I mean, there was nothing else even remotely like that that had ever no. been made. I mean, a fake documentary like that. It's probably got the least amount of laughs in it of all of them, which it, I feel stupid for yeah. saying considering it's like it's heavy metal. It's like totally geared for me, but like the right, last third it, of the movie does get kind of kind of serious ish. Uh, yeah, I I I think you know. Obviously, if you're starting a new thing, which is fake documentary, you're going to go through some trial and error. And I think there was like that attempt to make it more like a documentary at the end where it does. Yeah, it doesn't have as much humor, whereas later Christopher Guest movies do have the humor throughout. Totally. Also, just forgot how many like little tiny cameos and guest stars from other like extremely (laughs) well-known people there are in that. I mean... 
obviously like yeah you know, uh, Paul Shear and uh, not Paul Shear um fuck <laughs> no, what's his, the keyboard man no what's his name damn it David David Letterman's band leader Paul oh Paul fuck right Paul Paulie Shore no, <laughs> no. <laughs> Paul we have, we have to get fuzz beat on this I I'm, like, I'm fuzz beating it right now. Yeah, people Letterman. are totally like beating on their steering wheel right now, just cussing as a blue streak. Well, uh, just because Fuzzbead won't leave me alone, it's Paul Schaefer. Paul Schaefer. No Paul wonder Schaefer. I thought it was Paul Schaefer. God damn it. Paul Schaefer, Paul Shore, Paul Schaefer. There's all, all sorts those, of shiz. One of those yeah. Pauls out there, man. Just a Paul, yeah. <laughs> I blew it. I totally blew it. Fuck. Well, but, you know, it's like he's in there as well as like Angelica Houston is in it. Is she? Yeah, which I, I never realized. That. No, not at all. Kate caught it during the credits, and we were like, where the fuck was she in this? She is the person that designs the Stonehenge prop and delivers it to him. That is like what? a very young Angelica Houston. That's crazy. I know. Go back and look at it, and you'll be like, that's absolutely her. The voice, everything. But yeah, she's in there. Yeah, it's just covered. Covered in little cameos and stuff like that. But yeah, I'm, I'm looking forward to watching some more of those and stuff, too. I look forward to getting to uh, Waiting for Guffman, because yeah. that one... Is so hilarious. <laughs> it's been so long since I watched it, man. Yeah, I, I haven't watched any of those in a while either. What's your favorite of them? I don't know if I could. Hmm, I mean, Best in Show is really great. Ah, oh, it's so good, dude. The music ones, I think a lot of the jokes go over my head because they're music jokes. That's the thing about about a lot of them is the, yeah. is the fact that like, yeah, there are definitely a lot of like deep cut music jokes and stuff in there that you would only catch if you probably play music. Yeah, <laughs> uh, which is part of why I think that it's so fucking funny. The fact that they put that stuff in there, knowing that a lot of people aren't gonna get it, it makes it more real and yeah. more funny to me. Yeah, that may, that does help the documentary feel as well because I've watched you know uh, music documentaries and been like, oh, I don't know what they're talking about right now, and <laughs> like that's it. You just move yeah. on because it's like, well, I, I don't know music. They're talking about it, whatever. Yeah, right, right, right. Well, of course, this also comes, you know, right here at the passing, of course, of Fred Willard, who's in a lot of these movies. Yeah. R.I.P., man. Hey, what happened? Mm -hmm. He was old. He was really old. Yeah, I I read (laughs) he was was like 80, 81, something like that. Yeah, yeah, 81. Uh, Yeah, he's he's just old. (laughs) He died of being old. Yeah, it's not surprising to die when you're 80. Yeah, good on him. A good long run, a really fucking funny guy. Good long run. And I don't know about you, like... I bet it's not just me that whenever I heard the news, the first thing I said was, hey, what happened? (laughs) It couldn't have just been me. No, it couldn't. I can't do my work. (laughs) Dude, his character in in A Mighty Wind is just so fucking stupid. I I love it. My favorite thing about Fred Willard is that he got caught jerking off in a theater and essentially all that happened was everybody in his life told him about internet porn. It was just like, that was it. Like, yeah. nobody thought anything of it. They were just like, oh, the old dude doesn't know about internet porn yet. Yeah, you can stay home and do that. Here, here's this website. Yeah, here, there you go, Fred. <laughs> like, it didn't hurt his career or anything because he wasn't, it wasn't weird. It's just like, that's what they're for, but it's an old thing. We don't do that anymore. Yeah. <laughs> what, what a different world we live in, too, where it's like, that happened. I had totally forgotten about it. Yeah. Like, because it's just a no blip big in the deal. radar. Yeah. Yeah. It was a huge deal when Pee Wee did it. But just 10 <laughs> years, 20 years later, it's like, well, who gives a shit? <laughs> well, Steve, I'd like to pour one out to our fallen laughing man, uh, public jerk offer, Hell Fred yeah. Willard here, and get ourselves public a pull. 
<laughs> yes. We're having one here that was delivered to us by our very own Roger Dean Miller, the notorious the man. RDM, the man he is known as. Mm-hmm. And uh, this is one from, what is this, the Atlanta Brewing Company? That's what it says. Sweetheart Steel. What is What kind of beer is this, Steve? What's going on in this thing? Well, it's a stout that is brewed with lactose, dulce de leche, cacao, Good God. and vanilla bean. Holy shit. This sounds like that a is so liquid much. milkshake. Yeah. And let me just tell you, pouring this... This shit is dork. It is dork. And also, I mean, the glass is a solid foot away from my face, and I can already smell yeah, you everything. Smell. Everything uh-huh. you just described. You kind of got that it's you know, so burnt, like, burnt sugary dulce de yeah. leche smell. Mm-hmm. It's like it's almost like a cold coffee. Like if you got like a dulce de leche coffee and let it cool down. Yeah, or like <laughs> a like the... a nitro cold brew or something. There you go. Yeah. It's like a 7.2 ABV. I have a feeling this is going to be one to just put you under the couch. Yeah. Cool can, too, by Yeah, the, way. the design is really, really neat on there. Look forward to trying this guy out. Let's see. Let's see what it do. Ooh, buddy. That is chocolatey AF, my friend. Oh, man. Whoa, that is chocolatey. Yeah, that's good. But also, you can really taste the vanilla extract, and it really tastes yeah. like real vanilla like this tastes like mexican vanilla you know yeah it's got it's got like it that mellow sort of vanilla taste but it's like that dulce de leche is there oh yeah a little bit of caramel like flavor to it Mm. it's a really weird thing to say and i don't think i've ever said this before i'd love to have a nice espresso to go with this beer is that crazy (laughs) No, it's like a dessert, and it it would be good. It would like, I don't know. It would be like eating a a, a piece of cake with espresso, like, or uh, dipping a cookie in an espresso. Like, it really did, would have that like nice bittering balance to the, yeah. the sweetness. Yeah, I think that'd be okay. Hell yeah, this is good though. <laughs> well, thanks so this much, is, Roger. That's a dessert. delicious one. Yeah, dude, Roger yeah. knows he knows how to choose a man. Yeah, he for knows sure. what's up. Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is, of course, what lies beneath her, which stars one Harrison Fjord. That's him. An international man of adventure. We've been on so many adventures with Harrison through his film career. We've adventured with him swinging on vines as Indiana mm-hmm. J. Yeah. We've, we've, uh, we've shot up some replicants with him as old Deckard. Mm-hmm. We've... We've smuggled some goods. Uh-huh, that's right. Yeah, with Hans Solo. Hans Olo. I love when people call him Hans. I'm just like, bless you. Mm-hmm. Bless your fucking heart. <laughs> and he's a guy that I just really want to go on some adventures with. And apparently it'd be yeah. very easy to, as he is down in Morristown, Tennessee, all the time. That is true. He, uh, Callista Flockhart's uh, parents live in Morristown, right? Yeah, that's right. So they're down yeah, there seeing yeah. him like, all the time, so apparently mm-hmm. it wouldn't be too hard for us. But you know, I just really wonder if I was going on an adventure, which Harrison Ford character should I take with me? Ooh. Do you think there's a place that we could find out about that while we step into the preview palace? Welcome to the preview palace. It was like a rugged adventurer intro. Yeah, yeah. Cool. I wanted I wanted you to feel like you're going on an adventure. <laughs> so I'll tell you what. Before we get to the review ski, let's step in here and ask those old witches and wizards at BuzzFeed, which Harrison Ford character should we take on an adventure? This is a quiz by 
Crystal Rowe, who is oh, absolutely she she's got a crystal ball. She's got crystal uh-huh. visions. <laughs> she you know if her name is Crystal that she probably can see the future. Oh yeah, I think so. Or she's a horse girl, in my experience. <laughs> it could be that. She's either a horse girl or she can see the future. Do you think that maybe she ever like uses as a pickup line? She's like, have you ever heard about the healing power of Crystal? <laughs> the sexual healing power of Crystal? Maybe like that. And then she pulls out some meth. Yeah, yeah. It's just, oh, that Crystal. Yeah. Oh. oh. And she's like, I meant it as a double on <laughs> I do drugs. <laughs> Plus, you could have sex with me. <laughs> oh. <laughs> oh. 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 Right, right, yeah. <laughs> All right, Steve, let me ask you. Which of these quote-unquote crazy things would you do? Would you, okay. Would you jump from a plane, float in mm-hmm. zero gravity, okay. raft down the Amazon, or sure. eat a scorpion? Well, three of those I would be interested in. Not really interested in eating a scorpion. No, I mean mm-hmm. he's he's a he's a ninja. He throws mm-hmm. spears. He's very demanding. Get over here, yeah. all that stuff. Yeah, I, I mean he's all bone. Mm-hmm. Really, nothing to chew on there. Yeah, yeah, definitely. Yeah. So which one okay, are you gonna so, do? Uh, I mean, jump from a plane and raft down the Amazon are things that are possible. But floating in zero G, they can only kind of simulate that with those like plane rides where they go straight up and then straight down. I'd like to actually do it. Yeah, no doubt. Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, I think that's a good choice. That's probably the one that I would go for as well. But given the remainder here, I think I'm going to jump myself from an aeroplane and find out about that. That would be awesome. So fun. What do we got next? Uh, the next is a visual one. It says pick a grin. So we're just going to pick a grin. Ooh. I picked the first one. Yeah, that's a great one. I'm going to go with the third one. It's a little more subtle. Yeah. All right. All right. Next, Steve, I need you to choose a getaway vehicle for your adventure. Are uh-huh. we going with a helicopter? Are we getting away on that motorcycle? Maybe yeah. a big old Jeep stomping through the mud. Or maybe mm, it's stomp. Air Force One, a big old aeroplane. Get off my plane. <laughs> give me back my son i didn't kill my wife <laughs> uh i i feel like i'm gonna take that jeep yeah. i'd like to drive my way out of trouble that's probably a good idea right there and i think that's also a smart choice too considering that like i don't know how to operate any of these other ones <laughs> that would be a problem right be a little bit of an issue it's like get Let's away just assume you got a driver Okay, all right. If that's the case, then I think I'll go with just a good old-fashioned aeroplane. I enjoy myself yeah. an aeroplane ride. Get the hell out of there. Yeah, man. Next. What word best describes traveling? Ooh. Exhausting. I'm so tired. Exciting. Oh, boy. Scary. Dios mío. Difficult. Muy difícil. <laughs> that's what I was hoping for. That's yeah. what I was hoping for. <laughs> you got it. So what do you say? You set them up, I spike them, man. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I think I'm going to say that traveling is exciting. I enjoy a travel. I like going to yeah. see a new place. I like finding out mm. what they got to eat over there, what it smell yeah. like, what it do. It's exciting. Yeah. I do love traveling, but I'm just going to assume we're talking about the travel portion. And for me, that is always difficult because I don't, I don't know why. Every single time I'm heading to the airport or heading on the road somewhere, I get in a bad mood. 
I don't Ooh, know why. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. The old travel I'll, crankies. Yeah. Just immediately. And as soon as, as soon as, you know, the traveling part is over, it's like, all right, let's relax. I'll <laughs> like tell you the, the key travel, to that, It's man. like, let's fucking hate life. <laughs> if you work hard enough, especially while you're going through an airport flight scenario, there are so yeah. many ways to get ripped up drunk that make the travel so much better. I bet. They I give bet. you a lot of the driving, The driving part, that's where it's just shit. Yeah, you need to be clean to do that. So, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> All right, next up here, Steve, we got a question. Which of these would you use to carry something important? We've got like a nice leather satchel briefcase, very professorial. We've got an ancient wooden box. There's like a big military-grade flight case kind of thing. And then we have just kind of your Uh classic steel briefcase that you might find handcuffed to someone that's carrying something of high value. Um, to actually carry something important, I'm going to go with that leather briefcase because mm-hmm. it's one of only two that have a handle. That's true. Yeah. That's and if I'm carrying true. it, I don't want to be walking around with some cumbersome ass metal box. Well, it also just kind of advertises like I'm holding something important and valuable. Yeah. People are like, oh, that guy's up to something. Right. Yeah. Yeah. I was actually going to go for that, that little leather satchel myself. I have a really nice one that Kate got for me for Christmas a couple of years ago. Oh, yeah. That I really enjoy. It's also my second one because kind of contrary to what we were just saying, I had one that was like a nice pigskin one years ago in college that got stolen. <laughs> oh man! Yeah, yeah. So I think I'm just That's gonna like... I'm gonna keep my articles with me, safe and secure, with that steel briefcase around my wrist. Ben, where would you tell a quote contact unquote to meet you? Oh, a contact, huh? Uh huh. <laughs> a quiet restaurant. A Swank Hotel. Ooh. I guess that's a hotel owned by Hillary Swank. Yeah, yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. Hillary Swank Estates. <laughs> a crowded bar. An exotic bazaar. Wow. Those all sound like pretty great places to go do. and do a do a meetup there with a the contact. I think I'm mm-hmm. going to hide in plain sight at a quiet restaurant. Yeah, that makes sense. Get me a bite Just while I'm at it. Sitting there sipping on something. Maybe nibbling on a, a scone or yeah, something yeah something really classy like that well ben i have a whole lot of energy right now and i'll tell you what most every time i've seen a contact met in an exotic bazaar it's ended in an awesome chase that's so true. i'm gonna go with exotic bazaar that does tend to happen do you think that whenever people are like reserving their stalls and setting up their wares at yeah. their exotic bazaars they're like there's gonna be another fucking chase today. Why do I even Definitely bother? Gonna- <laughs> why do I even bother putting up this fruit stand? I just know somebody's gonna plow through it with a jeep. I think the second they see a white person, that's what happens. Yeah, because that's some always shit's about the to get initiation. Here. Yeah, it's either Jason Bourne or or uh, James Bond or I- any number of other white dudes showing <laughs> up. It's like, oh yeah, well, there's gonna be a chase today. Yeah, keep this guy away from a motorcycle. <laughs> I think there should be a movie about one of those guys that sets up his little fruit stand and like, you know, it's like he's having to do it to pay his bills. His landlord's on his ass and stuff. He's got to take care of his family. And then an action star plows through it. All of his money is lost. His life is in tatters. I want to see that movie. (laughs) It does sound, I mean, the way you just described it, super exciting. (laughs) (laughs) Ben, what creature is the worst? Oh my Snakes, spoiders, rats. Rats, rats, rats. For sale. Cockroaches. Definitely a spoiter. I hate me a spoiter so bad. I just, yeah. 
It's an irrational fear of mine. I hate yeah. those little buggers. I'm not really fond of a lot of these other things, but I can deal with them. But a spoiler, you better step yeah. on back, spoiler. Get out of here. Uh, I'll I'll go with cockroaches here. Ew. I used to I used to not be a huge fan of snakes or rats, uh, but they don't bother me anymore. Spiders, not not a big deal, but cockroaches, like their presence tends to indicate something's up. Right? <laughs> Typically. Like, yeah. You see a bunch of cockroaches, it's like, well, this isn't good. <laughs> oh, a good sign. There's roaches. Yeah. Yeah. So All right, Steve, we got our results in here, and I've gotten myself, apparently, I'm going on an adventure with one Hans Olo. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Hans would take you on adventures through a galaxy <laughs> far, far away on a ship that made the castle run in less than 12 parsnips, escaping parsnips. from Starlax Spitz. Sarlacc Spitz, I said. Bounty hunters mm. and vile gangsters would all be in a day's work for you and Hans, old buddy. I agree. That sounds mm -hmm. like a pretty good time to me, man. And just for fun, you could just pretend that you speak Wookiee. Yeah. Because he does, do right? Uh-huh. He like, does. <laughs> he does seem to pretend that he speaks Wookiee. But then most of the time he's right. So maybe he does speak maybe Wookiee. He's, maybe he's got a little bit. Yeah. I got Rick Deckard. Oh, sweet, man. Your future is safe with Deckard, unless, of course, you dream of electric sheep. Oh, There's plenty uh -oh. of room for you to ride shotgun in Deckard's police spinner. Whether you're enjoying a hot pot of noodles together, all right, or chasing down replicants in the rain, I also like that. Your adventures would last long into the future. Nice. Right. Yeah, you're having yourself a good old time right there, man. God oh, yeah. damn it, Blade Runner is such a fucking cool movie. Yeah. Plus Noodle. I mean, yeah. awesome. Come on, man. <laughs> you can't lose with that. Yeah, I would love to watch that again. It's been too long since I've seen that. That soundtrack, man. That fucking Vangelis yeah. soundtrack. All that synth. It's so oh, good, man. So good. And the sequel's awesome, too. I still have not watched the no damn sequel. No way. I really need to. I like It was on HBO forever, and I kept being like, I, I should watch that. I should watch that. Never just sat down and watched Well, before you do, I, I mean, to. let me ask you. How pretty do you like movies to be? Mmm. Well, I mean, if it's on a scale of zero to pretty, I'll go with pretty. Yeah, exactly. You're going to love mm -hmm. the movie then. Okay. Well, there we go. Yeah. <laughs> if you'd have answered, I don't like them pretty, I don't like nice things, then I'd been like, yeah, ah, this isn't the movie for you, but I think that you're going to enjoy it. You know what I prefer? I like every movie to look like Blair Witch Project. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> That's Keep it. it raw. That's what I want. Keep it yeah. gritty. Keep it real. And you guys can keep on supporting us by visiting our Patreon page. Oh, patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely. That's oh my right. gosh, Ben. I forgot in the earlier bit before we get to the to the to the review. Uh I'm sure people are listening now, like, hey Steve, your episode was supposed to be up on Monday. Of your your new episode podcast. of what? Of your new show? What what's going Legacy on? Legacy of brutality. <gasps> um <clears throat> If you look right now, you'll see that uh, Legacy Brutality is up on iTunes. The new episode is not. Uh, that is because it didn't get up on Monday. It didn't actually get up until sometime today, Tuesday, when we're recording. And so because I, I just want to explain why it's important to get it out on a specific day and not to just have a, a varied like, uh, like putting it out on several different platforms at different times. Basically most listens come through iTunes and 
iTunes uh, expects your episode to do well on the first day. If I had already uploaded the episode to another service and people had listened on other services, by the time it gets to iTunes, it wouldn't do as well. And that would kind of affect uh, how I would come up in search in the future. Mm-hmm. So yeah. really wanted to put off putting up that first episode until uh, I could make sure everybody would be able to listen to it at the same time. So it will come out on Friday, definitely, because the episode is done and iTunes has accepted the feed. So uh, I'm moving the show to Fridays. It was a choice between Monday or Friday in the first place, and I arbitrarily chose Monday. Friday works just fine, too. So show will come out on Fridays starting this Friday. Sorry for all of the problems. I wish they hadn't happened as well. I felt sick all day yesterday, just full of uh, absolute like uh, panic and anxiety. Like, are they ever going to accept this feed? They know uh, it's too powerful, man. They know it's too powerful. You're that, out there. You're that, gonna that expose the truth of the history of horror. That's it. <laughs> they know that the truth is iTunes wasn't involved. <laughs> Whoa. They wanted to bury the truth, Steve. <laughs> All right. So yeah, you guys be sure to check out that new episode yep. of Legacy of Brutality on Friday. Legacy of Brutality. Oh, Island of Misfit Toys. Oh. I always have to say that specifically when I'm doing that voice. I don't know why. Just so people know where it's coming from. Got it. Okay. Yeah. In case they're like, is that Ben's voice? (laughs) Yeah, is he going through a second puberty? Well, Steve, the subject of our show today is what lies beneath from the year 2000. Whoa, the future. Had you ever seen this movie before? Uh, I had not. I had not seen this movie. And uh, it was one that I've heard about a million times. But honestly, I I was never compelled to watch it. Right, yeah. Nothing I had heard about it made me interested in. Basically, it was just people saying, oh, you like horror movies? Have you ever seen What Lies Beneath? I like that one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like nobody ever gave me a clue as to what was going on in it. Uh, if they had, I might have watched it a little bit earlier because I I tend to like uh, movies similar to this. Yeah, but I do not like this. It's not really what <laughs> I remembered. I yeah. I hadn't seen this movie in a really long time. I think that like right after it came out on video, so probably like two thousand one ish. I had, I had gone over to a friend's house. This is back when you could go over to friend's houses. Yeah, back then. Remember those days? Yeah. My brother and I went over to see some friends, and we got there, and they had just started watching Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Ooh. And this was like way before I was into horror movies, so I was like, oh my God, they're watching filth. <laughs> uh, but I was intrigued and, and you know did kind of like watch it out of the corner of my eye, and I was like, this looks really fucked up and cool, you know? But after TCM was over, which I definitely got in trouble for, by the way, when I got home, there was definitely the question of, well, what were you boys watching? Uh Texas Chainsaw Massacre? I'm sorry, Mom. Ah. You you couldn't lie, or you would have gone straight to hell. Exactly. Yeah, that's Mm -hmm. that's how that works. We know. (laughs) Yeah. So I did get in trouble for that. But after that was over, we decided to make it a double feature and watch What Lies Beneath. Okay. And so I watched the movie then, and I remember really liking it. Uh, mm-hmm. I might have just liked hanging out with my friends. Maybe that's what I was remembering. Maybe. And I want to say that I watched it again, maybe like a year or two later, but I really didn't remember anything about it. So we started the movie the other night, 
and it was probably about 40 minutes into the movie and I was like, mm-hmm. I have no idea what this is about. I don't remember anything about this. Like I remembered yeah. it as being some kind of like supernatural thing. I thought that it mm. was about the neighbors and stuff. Yeah. It, I don't know how you could remember it. No. There are like five plots in this movie That's and not the thing. one of them is interesting. <laughs> That's kind of the thing with it, right? It's like after the movie yeah. was over, I was like, yeah, no wonder I don't really remember any distinct singular plot because there's right. not really one here. Nope. And, not. you know, it's kind of in that same vein of a lot of those kind of supernatural thriller type movies that were around, especially, you know, during this time period where it's like, yeah, it's not necessarily horror per se, but it is scary and suspenseful and thrilling. And there are supernatural elements. So it's kind of like, yeah, it's horror. It, ha- it has to be labeled horror because of the supernatural elements, but it, it really is more of a thriller than horror and and thriller in the the full sense where it's like this is not horror at all Mm -hmm. like without the ghost this would never have been called a horror movie by anyone right yeah and it's kind of a stretch to call it a thriller considering it's it's not all that that thrilling thrilling. yeah (laughs) yeah yeah (laughs) It, it does it plays out like a cheap thriller novel from the 90s like i read a ton of of thriller novels from the 90s dean Koontz type of stuff uh-huh. maybe you heard of him this plays out like one of those novels where it's just like each one of them is basically just paint by number like you you could guess what's gonna happen long before it happens but in this case you couldn't guess what's gonna happen not because of masterful writing but because no one could guess that yeah. you're going to have a completely different story in 10 minutes and yeah. then another completely different story 20 minutes later like there no one could guess that right but that's what we were obsessed with in the 90s like was so, we were so obsessed with movies being you can't figure out the ending the usual suspect sixth sense all that type of stuff like you yeah. couldn't possibly figure out the ending. And then when you see it, you'd be like, oh my gosh, how didn't I know? It's all kind of going back to the to the thrill of the Scooby-Doo, who's under the mask yep. thing. Which, exactly. of course, is also exploited in like late 90s horror, like urban legend and stuff like that, yep. too. Mm-hmm. Do you think that Absolutely. like The Sixth Sense is kind of the movie that jump-started all this? Or was that after mm. this? I, I think maybe. I mean, because The Sixth Sense comes out in 96. I, Whoa, that right? came out in 96? I believe so. Whoa! I'm not positive on that. It may have been later. Let me get Fuzzbeat on that. Have him look it up. Fuzzbeat says, "When did the Sixth Sense come out? It came <laughs> out in '99, sir. Oh, '99, okay. huh? I was off by three years. Um, so it was so, before this movie, though. Yeah, it, it, it was, was before th- this. Very much this like yeah. suspenseful, Hitchcocky. Yeah. You can't guess the right. ending. Also, there is a supernatural twist in it too. Yeah." Uh, Stir of Echoes, yeah. same thing. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Stir of Echoes is the better version of this movie. And Stir of Echoes isn't like amazing. It's a better version of this, though, because it has one consistent story. It is about one single crime, and the supernatural elements actually help solve that crime. Well, that's the thing about a lot of those movies, though, like, like you know, um, uh, Sixth Sense and stuff like that, is after you know what's going on, you can rewatch the movie again and see that yeah. there were clues all along. It's like, oh man, that's yeah. really what was going on in this. This movie? Not really. No, you cannot. 
you cannot go back and see the development of this story. Like you go back and you watch it again and it's like, oh, it's just about faking you out. It's just about you not possibly being able to guess. Yeah, and keeping the heroine clueless as to what's going on. Right. But yeah, I I mean, that's all excusable, I think, if uh this was a movie that was made for like a couple million dollars by some upstarts. Oh, it was. It was a couple million. Yeah, yeah, a couple million times fifty. A <laughs> hundred million dollars. <laughs> they spent a hundred million dollars on this movie. Yeah. Oh, uh, and if it was like a a director who maybe never done anything big, it would make sense. But of course, this is the director of Back to the Future, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, Forrest Gump. Good lord. I mean this. Like, we're talking big names. Harrison Ford, Michelle Pfeiffer, big name director. Steven Spielberg himself handed the script to Robert Zemeckis. Damn. And I I, I don't, I mean, they, they all had to have taken a whole lot. Like, that's where the budget went. They all took a whole lot of money to make a piece of crap and try to make it better. Mm-hmm. Like it, it, it wasn't a good story from the beginning. Like they, they, they had nothing to work off of, really. Like it's, it, the, the script obviously doesn't work. They shouldn't have had people come on set to shoot it until they figured it the fuck out. That's the thing, right? And it just kind of goes yeah. to show you too that just throwing enough money and big names at something doesn't necessarily make it good. It'll help it make money yeah. because people want to yeah. go see the new Harrison Ford movie and. Michelle mm-hmm. Pfeiffer movie and stuff like that, but yeah. it's like, it's like you said, the year before, The Sixth Sense had, well, it did have Bruce Willis in it. Uh, That's but, true, but, but that was the only big name at the time, yeah. Yeah, totally, and a very, you know, at that time, very unknown director, and right. it, it wasn't like a mega high-budget, special effects-heavy kind of flick, and it crushed, no. because it's an awesome story. Yes, because it's an awesome story told well with, with uh, like, low-key acting. This is this is a movie that, uh, like, it threatens to become a drama at any moment. Yeah, to, like a lifetime it, movie at any moment. This could become a yeah, lifetime movie. Exactly. It's gonna it's gonna just get melodramatic and stupid, and it almost does like over and over and over. And they they barely pull themselves back from that edge over and over and over, where it's just like lifetime movie. No, 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 no. <laughs> Veer gonna, away from that one. <laughs> really gonna turn that wheel <laughs> make um, her get uh, possessed uh, there's a Ouija yeah. board uh, no, no, uh, now maybe somebody tries to commit suicide I don't know uh, but the pull to become a melodramatic lifetime movie is definitely there at all times yeah it's definitely <laughs> there uh, this I, this movie is inexplicable to me in many ways and one of those is that the screenplay is by Agent Coulson Agent Coulson from Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. and the Avengers yes. and stuff. Yeah. Clark Gregg wrote this. Known for his immense writing body of he, work. <laughs> I, I'm I'm assuming he must have had a packet or something, but he didn't have any writing credits before this. But he was commissioned by DreamWorks to do a rewrite of the original treatment, which I'll talk about in a second. But the... He since then has written two other things. One, he wrote and directed the adaptation of Choke. Oh, that's not good. He yeah. did that. 
Yeah, it's not good. Oh man, uh, Choke <laughs> as a book is fucking amazing. Yes. It is an incredible, yeah, then, also unfilmable. I mean, it's one of the nastiest books right. ever. Like, why would you? Why would you even set out to make the film in the first place? Yeah, if you make that You're movie and it's not X-rated, then you've missed the entire point. Yeah. So, I don't know how that happened. I don't know how a, a pre, an actor, not even like overly popular, but a TV actor. Oh, he's great. Suddenly I mean, was, yeah. Yeah, he's great. I, he is awesome. He's a great guy. He's really great as Coulson, et cetera. Like, but he, I don't know how he suddenly is in the, the scope of DreamWorks where they're like, hey, you want to do a rewrite on a, a script treatment? Uh, for a hundred million dollar movie with Harrison Ford and yeah. Michelle Pfeiffer, like two of the biggest movie stars right. ever. It's not like a test. Did he but have that... a screenplay or did he have an idea on a napkin <laughs> with bullet points? <laughs> well, you know, like woman has yeah. amnesia, possession, <laughs> Ouija board, husband is killer. I don't know. Just well, something here. There's something. That's the thing that definitely indicates that it's not well thought out. But this, the movie to me uh, appears overly written without oh, yeah. too much thought yeah. like it feels like a novel most of the time it feels like there are chapter breaks from time to time after you pointed and, that out I, that's all that i'm thinking about now in the movie yeah. there are very distinct parts where it does feel like and that's the end of that chapter now the next chapter yeah. starts with us getting introduced to this other person yeah and it's like it's like it's gonna set up a whole like uh a series of novels or something right we're gonna but then it just has to have some stupid ending at the end but i i just yeah i don't get how that all came about considering that the original script treatment was by sarah kernichan who's a filmmaker and she was adapting a personal experience she had with the paranormal okay into a script and the script was about a retirement age couple dealing with restless but compassionate spirits oh so in the house or something yeah so essentially okay. the idea would be like all this retirement couple is facing the fact that all they have left ahead of them is death and so they're, they're interacting with these spirits that sounds so kind have, of compelling that sounds like yeah. something you could probably get into where did this come yeah. from i don't know <laughs> they were like <laughs> okay so uh old people and uh ghosts go yeah, that's what you got out of that. Okay. Yeah. Uh. I, yeah. I don't. I don't know how all this came together. Don't know why. Uh. DreamWorks was so interested this early in their like creation. Like they they were Spielberg created DreamWorks in '94. This is four years later. They're making this movie. Uh. In '98. Uh. I. I don't. I don't know how all of that comes together. Uh. I don't even because Zemeckis was at the time shooting Castaway. Good lord! Uh, yeah, so it's not like had, it's not like he was like an out of work guy that had blown his career, and now they're handing no. him whatever's at the bottom of the barrel. Like no, he was this still is Zemeckis. Huge. Yeah, he's still huge. He's at the time shooting Castaway. There's a hiatus for uh, Tom Hanks to lose weight and to grow a beard for the the island shots. They'd done all the other stuff mm -hmm. with him at regular weight. Uh, so he just has this short hiatus, and it's it's like Spielberg's like, "Hey, you want to direct a movie?" And he's like, "I guess uh, what is it? <laughs> what a life!" Yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's the that really is the life. Honestly, I imagine if you you're just that entrenched in Hollywood, and people are just like, "Hey, you want to direct a hundred million dollar yeah. movie?" Hey, yeah, hey, Bob so. Zemeckis, you got a minute? <laughs> yeah, I do. Yeah, 
so anyway anyway yeah i i don't know how the like why this all came together the way it did michelle pfeiffer and harrison ford were their first like the 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 ones they wanted for the role so they like, wrote it like, they with did, like them in mind you wrote well i don't know if it was written with them in mind it was cast with them in mind. okay okay <laughs> uh but they they definitely just went went to harrison ford and michelle pfeiffer and dumped a bunch of money on their lap like because neither one of the roles they even considered anybody else hmm but it's one of those deals so, where honestly anybody else could have played those parts like anybody they're so generic yeah you didn't have to go out and get that wagyu beef to grind it up and make right. a smash bur- burger on the you know grill top yeah i bet it's an okay burger but i bet any level of beef would have been an It'd okay been fine. burger yeah yeah <laughs> Yeah, yeah, Michelle Pfeiffer is I mean she's she's great in it cuz she's, she's amazing. She's, she's one of the most the gorgeous people and, ever made. Oh, Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer, Wonderful. dude, like she's one of those people that I bet if you met her in person you would be like you're not even the same species as me. Like yeah, you're way you're prettier than any human. Yeah. It make, doesn't make sense. Yeah. And and she she's great in this. So like I understand her in this. I don't understand Harrison Ford. I do understand from his perspective. Because he likes smoking weed and and they probably paid him a lot of money. <laughs> and like I can tell you for sure, every one of these scenes, he's probably stoned. Probably, yeah, be? yeah. And, and honestly, like you can sum up their two characters really fast if you do like just quick impressions of both of them through this whole movie. Here's Michelle yeah. Pfeiffer, <gasps> M scares, and then Harrison Ford says, grumble, 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 Yeah, like that's. That's kind of their characters in this plane. movie. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> I really do wish at some point he had said to the ghost, get out of my house. <laughs> that would have been okay, man. <laughs> yeah. But no, no, it, it, we, for some reason, find out in the last 15 minutes that he's the villain. Yeah, because somebody has to be. Because somebody has to be. And it can't be any of the people we set up up to this point, because if it were somebody we'd seen up to this point, you could guess it. And the only important reason to make a movie is for people to be guessing, right? I suppose. But but it's one of those deals where, you know, it's like we talked about with some of these other movies that have, like, really stupid reveals at the end, like Urban Legend and stuff like that, where it's like, it's not even one of those things that you could have put in the pieces together, you know? There's there's no way you could have figured that out. Yeah. I mean, there there was one piece to put together and that was that her friend told him that she saw her friend told uh her claire that uh her friend jody saw norman at a coffee shop in the city that they keep saying adam adamant it's adamant that's how you say that word (laughs) yeah adam ant is the guy who's saying goody (laughs) tissues right (laughs) slight difference that's a different person (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> anyway so when jody says that she saw him at that coffee shop with her that that and then later he says he he has never been to this city or whatever that was a moment where i i was like oh maybe something's up but the thing i thought was up was jody was lying right yeah because he never plays it as suspicious at all no like there's never a point where you were sus- suspect ugh. Never a point where you sus. <laughs> fucking shit. <laughs> Third time's a charm. Take another swing at it. There's never a time where Harrison Ford is sus. How about that? <laughs> he's, he's never sus at all. Never yeah. sus nothing out. Yeah, but he's never the suspect. Like, 
it, it just happens that it's revealed that he is and then suddenly he's a bad guy yeah but like and it, it's such it, a lame development too because ultimately at the end of the day it's like he was this successful like genetics neuroscience professor guy who fooled around with the student the student was going to tell the dean and ruin his career so he murdered her because I, I guess you can just flip a switch and do that Right, and, and then also uh, that means that that he's instantly a sociopath that has no conscience and is about to then murder his wife Michelle Pfeiffer. Right, because I guess he's a crazy. I guess why? Like, there's no but, signs that he's some kind of sociopathic killer at all. It's like this movie is uh, a maze, but you can't get to the center. Like, there's no actual way. So you just it just takes every route. And it's like, huh. Once it fills out all the roots, it's like just an X in the middle, I guess. Like <laughs> that that did it. That that's the thing. Yeah. Like, the, the way that this this movie is so heavy in story and exposition and stuff. And, and red herring, dude. My God. Yeah. And then also entirely bereft of any like real story <laughs> like they keep <laughs> they t they they slowly reveal to us through so many different things like her sitting there looking through the um uh her little like photo book yeah yeah her stephen king photo album yeah through that we're supposed to learn that she is a former musician who uh had a kid oh yeah she was a not musician. with harrison ford and then gave had to leave behind her career as a musician to take care of her kid and then Harrison Ford came along and like married them but she never went back to being a musician again okay. all that's um, supposed to be conveyed by looking at a photo book right yeah exactly that's some really easy exposition you know what it, now that you put it that way though because I had totally even forgotten about the fact that she was this retired cellist and shit like this uh-huh I'm kind of wondering if Agent Coulson that wrote this movie, uh -huh. did he write it or, and you're a person that has nieces and nephews and all that kind of jazz, so you'll know exactly what I mean. Right. Was it possible that this story was dictated by like a four-year-old <laughs> with an imaginative story? Because like, doesn't, doesn't it sound like She has a it? little girl and she plays a cello, but um, the little girl's dad left, but there's another man. And then she wakes up in the, the bathtub and she used to play, but now she doesn't. And she saw the neighbor and they were fighting and he thought the man was going to kill her. And she saw it, but then it turned out she didn't see it. And then there was a ghost and she got possessed. And then there was a, a witch book. And like, this sounds like a story a five-year-old dictated to you. It, it, by the way, if you take Michelle Pfeiffer and replace her with a five-year-old, this movie's better. <laughs> <laughs> Other because, than the fact that Harrison Ford would be fucking five year old. Well, yeah, yeah, no, yeah, no. Just make it the daughter. <laughs> let's say, let's say Claire died, and now Norman's having to take care of the daughter. But the uh, Norman actually killed Claire, and the daughter's slowly discovering that's a that better movie. That's what happened. Yeah. That's already a better movie. Yeah. One hundred percent a better movie. And two explains why she's constantly shocked by things because she's a young girl, right? Well, let's but this let's is talk a about that daughter, grown ass too. woman. Because like yeah. that, that let's whole talk daughter. About why thing. that daughter exists, dude? To add 15 minutes to the first of the movie where they have to move her out to college and mom is all sad about it. Like I understand that it's there to show you that like 
they were a good family that got along together and stuff. And the mom mm-hmm. is going through a lot of changes in this time of her life and stuff. I get it. But dude, that seriously is like the first 15 minutes of the movie. And the daughter never fucking comes back. Like nope. they made such a point to show that, you know, whenever they dropped her off at the dorm, Michelle Pfeiffer is like, feel free to come back anytime. And I was thinking, like, there at the end... Well, she she's would like, come back. That she'd right. come back, yeah. While Michelle right. Pfeiffer's, like, paralyzed in the bathtub and about to die. Which actually was very good and suspenseful. Oh, yeah, that that, that was a well-done bit. I mean, again, like, There's any, stuff any of the here. scenes... Yeah, any of the scenes where Michelle Pfeiffer's having to act, and that was what she was doing in that scene, she fucking nails it. Yeah. <laughs> so it's like, I was expecting, and now the daughter's gonna finally come home, and the truth is gonna be out, and she's gonna help get dad arrested or whatever. Yeah. No, she just goes to college no. and she's like, sir, not appearing in this film from that point on. Yeah. So why have her appear at all? Why not just say, oh, I've been so depressed since so-and-so left. Yeah. And you set it up. You've set up the entirety of that without 15 minutes of a movie. You could set the whole thing up with her getting a phone call from her daughter. It's been a whole week since yep. we dropped you off at college. Mm-hmm. And that's yep. it. Instead, it's like, that yep. is a solid 10 or 15 minutes of the movie spent developing that i mean dude like i said 40 minutes into this movie i was like i still don't know what the story of this is like what yeah, because it, what's happening it, yeah because the, the it tells that story and then nothing happens then it starts telling the story of the next door neighbor lady who uh apparently gets killed by her husband but then no okay the, that, the that, shit. that story dude <laughs> and it's it's just so like very obviously rear window hitchcocky yep. That is exactly what it is. Yeah. On the nose. And yeah, it's like she's snooping Mm -hmm. on the neighbors because she hears them fighting and stuff. She talks to the neighbor lady, Eowyn, through a hole in the fence. Uh (laughs) Which, by the way... I was was happy to see Eowyn. That was fun. Dude, I totally didn't recognize her at first. Like, she got on screen and I was like, (laughs) Kate, who is that? And she's like, you don't know who that is? And I was like, no, give me a second. I was like, give me a hint. I can't think of who it is. And she goes, she is no man. And I'm like, oh, goddamn. <laughs> That's also exactly what I said when I yeah. saw her the first time on screen. I was like, she is no man. She is no man, dude. <laughs> Absolutely so. Goddamn, she's awesome, man. She is awesome. Uh, that, that story is so extremely frustrating to have James Remar and Miranda Otto, two people who at the time were in a, a bunch of stuff around this time, to have them in as a red herring that's not only like only tangentially related to some crazy idea she has yeah but then ends in nothing nothing ends in a joke at a party yeah where he like fake strangling her but then there's just so much bullshit about that too, where it's like, okay, yeah. So what was that big body bag that sh- that Michelle Pfeiffer saw him put in the uh-huh. trunk? What the fuck was Why? that? Why was Why there a did bloody it look like shoe? There was a struggle in the house. Yeah, yeah there was a yeah. bloody shoe. Yeah. What the fuck is all that stuff then? And why, like, whenever she went over there to drop off that gift basket, and just the husband was home, he was shady as fuck to her. Yes, he was. It was obvious they were trying to set up that he had killed her. It was obvious they had set up a different movie, and then they're like, "Haha, faked you out." That's well, terrible the thing writing. Is, is I feel like <laughs> all that stuff was in there. And the fact that, you know, she saw him put this body bag in the trunk and then Harrison Ford was there and he didn't see it. It's almost like they're trying to set up, like, is she going crazy or is she not? 
there's that's a whole other possible story they're setting up along with her visits to the doctor but, uh, but joe morton it's only set up and just like barely even put in first gear like it's not yep. it's not all that big of a thing where it's like if if it turned out that harrison ford was like gaslighting her into thinking that she was crazy or like mm-hmm. he was setting up things to make her doubt her own sanity that way she just believe everything yep. he said that would have been way more interesting but they never go anywhere with that at all. It's just no, like, ah, I, some weird stuff happened. I, that's I, enough of that. And truly the only explanation for her behavior throughout the movie is that she is suffering from some mental illness. Yeah. But th- at the end of the movie tells us that's not the case. Yep. So why why is she so wildly erratic emotionally? I have no like, idea. It, it's just a poorly written woman. That's it. It yeah. is a man being like, that's how women are. A woman thinks you've murdered, uh, uh, your your neighbor's murdered his wife, and so goes into a place where she could entirely destroy her husband's career and yells in front of hundreds of people that this man has murdered his wife. It, it's just a poorly written female character. Yeah. It, it's not... It, like, because... At the very, like, at some point, either it needed to be revealed that, yes, her husband is making her feel crazy. Yeah. Or that there is, she is suffering from some mental illness. Yeah, totally. Like, you you cannot just set up that someone is acting mentally ill for no reason. And guess what? It's not even resolved. Yeah. That's just the thing that, oh, by the way, this person's mentally ill now. Well, they even spend the time to introduce the character of this, like, psychologist that she goes to and stuff. Yeah. And, again, like, there's potential there for, you know, like, let's say she had started to think that she was crazy because of stuff Harrison Ford had set up. And then he sends her to the psychiatrist, but then just tells the psychiatrist or psychologist to just, uh, you know, dose out placebos and stuff. And it turns out she's not crazy at all. Like, there's all kinds of potential for stuff, but instead we just get... A longer movie like we get a yeah. several different psychotherapy sessions with her sitting here with this guy eating atomic fireballs mm. what kind of fucking psychiatrist that made give? no sense what the fuck dude like you're just gonna put people on edge that that has to have that has to have a reason there has to be a reason for that yeah either either she either you you just wanted a bright red in the scene so you just don't mention that they're atomic fireballs or you mentioned their atomic fireballs for that to come back. Yeah. But it it's just ugh, it's just there. It's just a thing. It's like most of this movie, it's just there. It's like here's a thing to rest your eyes on for a little bit. Yeah. Because totally. it's two thousand and what are your other options? <laughs> what else are you doing anyway, right? I mean that that is really the feel of this movie. For this movie to have made three hundred million dollars almost. Man. It really does remind you that at a certain point in America, history just feels like it was waiting on something. Like the 90s and 2000s feel like history was just waiting for something to happen. Well, and I think what it was waiting on was the internet because like... Yes! (laughs) At that time, it's just like, I guess you just go to the movies to have something to do. It's like nowadays you go to the movies because there's a movie you want to see specifically. Yeah. Yeah. And now, and now with the internet, because we have everything basically at our fingertips, it's like, it, it feels like we're more proactive in our entertainment now. 
Mm -hmm. So, like, you don't have to just watch this movie because you like Harrison Ford and Michelle Pfeiffer and it's out. <laughs> like, you don't just have to go give people money because nobody, nobody now would put $100 million into no this way. movie. No because way. Because there's no way it would make $300 million. I was going to say, yeah, there's no way that if this movie was released in a, well, you know, obviously not right now because theaters aren't open, but if it was released in a normal time period during this era, there's no way it would make $300 million. There's no, no fucking no. way, man. Absolutely not. So, yeah, yeah I, I'm, I'm just, uh, I, I'm, but I also tried to put myself in the headspace of 2000 when I watched it uh, like the second or third time. And I saw that's I was able to see like how it was ev definitely evolving from these other movies we were talking about, and definitely see how like one it looks good. I mean it, it it's well shot, mm. and it definitely looks course, like it was filmed in the late nineties. Like everything it does. is beige yeah. and tan. Oh, dude, it's so late nineties. That yes. whole like that that sort of era of interior decor where everything looked like the bad. inside of pier one it's real bad yeah uh, and just like i said everything's tan the walls are like khaki yep. colored and people are yep. wearing khaki <laughs> it's just disgusting man it's really gross when she's sitting at the computer when i saw <laughs> that computer and then it cuts to her just playing solitaire on it i was just like one we get it it's the 90s. <laughs> like, we get it. But in 2000, you're not even showing off. Why do you have this computer with her playing solitaire? At least have her doing something kind of interesting on a computer. Well, I'll tell you why. Because later on, whenever she's snooping around the neighbor's house, after she thinks the wife has been killed, mm -hmm. and she looks in the window, and she sees a table with a game of solitaire being set up on it, it makes oh, you think right. something is connected. But it's right? not. Call back, call back to another thing. That's the same as story connection, right? <laughs> That's the same. Yeah, that means the same thing, dude. Yeah, I, I mean, honestly, like I did, I didn't even connect those two. I did think that the solitaire thing was there as one of the only instances where you can look back and be like, oh, okay, he was alone. Like he, he didn't kill her necessarily. He was, he was just alone at home. Because who plays solitaire after killing someone? But even then, that's like a stretch. Mm. Like, it's still such a stretch to see that as any way indicating that he didn't kill his wife. I love, too, that this is filmed during the era where they just assumed that a man alone in the house can only prepare a TV dinner. Yep. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Remember, that was always like yep. a thing where it's like, oh, if the wife yep. is out, well, the man's definitely going to be at home eating TV dinners. Or, or he's going to get himself a chicken a dinner. A chicken dinner. Yeah, there Pet Cemetery style. Pet Cemetery style. <laughs> yeah, I. it's crazy. I, I did see somebody tweet, tweeted this the other day. Uh, it's, it was like, remember in the 2000s when we came up with the term metrosexual to describe a man who bathes? <laughs> yeah, and is useful. Yeah, it, like, <laughs> like it really hasn't been that long, Ben. That uh, that's true. Like, just not that long ago, men were like, and still, the majority of men in this country are absolute slobs who don't take care of themselves and uh, see taking a shower every once in a while as a gift to the world, I guess, mm -hmm. or see, <laughs> you know, preparing food to feed yourself to sustain yeah. your life as being effeminate somehow. Yeah, you're. Yeah, if you do that, you might as well just suck a dick. I don't need to eat. What do you think I am, gay? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> yeah, it's it's just the weirdest. Like, cause we're not that 
we're not that far away from it. That's it's 20 true. years. That's true. Yeah, it's not really all that long. 20 years ago, it, it re- and even now, like it still is a, a similar thing where it's like, uh, as a man, the expectation of knowing how to take care of yourself is still pretty fucking low. Right. Yeah. 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 It's depressing. <laughs> In addition to all those red herrings, too, like something that I thought was was pretty lame and just superfluous and just definitely needed rewriting in this is this like quest for artifacts that runs through this movie. I mean, there's, there's the bloody shoe. There's the cut off pigtail of the dead right. girl that she uses. There's the uh-huh. key. There's the box. There's the necklace. Right. Is this a fucking game of clue? What is this? <laughs> I think it might be. <laughs> Cause seriously, it's like, there's so many little items that she just happens to stumble cr- across that are all connected. And again, yeah. like seeing that necklace in the window in the town of Adam Ant. Yeah. As th- and that that's was, a big clue. Like, that's so stupid. The necklace was probably the thing they referenced the most throughout yeah. the movie. And the first time they reference it, it is so overt. Like, she's oh, looking yeah. at a picture of the girl and then stares at the fact that she can't see the, the whatever the thing is on the necklace. She just, like, the, and the camera focuses on that. It just yeah. focuses on a necklace. Yeah, like, like, we're all confused as to what a necklace is. But, like, <laughs> that's the only way Never to play Never seen anything it. like that before. Yeah, that's the only way to play off why she's so confused. Like, it doesn't make any sense. The chick is just wearing a necklace and she's staring at it like, that must be a clue to a thing I'm not even sure is a mystery yet because I have no idea what's happening. I'm just looking at a picture. And the green eyes thing is the same way, too. Yeah, oh my god, the green eyes the thing. The green eyes thing, man. Mm, that enrages It's like, this is the kind of me. deal, man, where it's like, they should have just picked one. It's like, take yeah. all of these little clues and artifacts you have, and let's you know narrow it down to just one or two. Yeah. Focus on those. And, and, and this is where, like, because, I mean... You can't be mad at Clark Gregg, actor who's never written a script uh, that's been shot up to this point, for having written what may not be a great screenplay. But when you hand it to Steven Spielberg, who reads it and says, my friend Bob Zemeckis would love this. No, he's got blackmail on him. That's all there is to it. Yeah, something's up. There's a blackmail situation here. Like, what the, how did that ever happen? That makes no sense. Anyway, so, uh, I, I, yeah, I don't see why the green eyes thing, though, uh, other than the, I think uh, Zemeckis, you know, likes working with newer film technologies and stuff. That's one of his big things. Back to the Future, uh, Who Framed Roger Rabbit, like all that stuff. Sure, yeah. Uh, and so I think maybe in a lot of ways DreamWorks was trying to show off what they could do technologically because the Ooh, green eye Fancy CGI. Right. Exactly. In 2000... Uh, you know that it, it's kind of the big deal, right? To show off what you can do with your computers. So they're showing off that they can make Michelle Pfeiffer's eyes, which are already a pale blue, look green. Ooh! Wow! <laughs> the CGI in this, like, some of it is okay. Some of some, it's yeah, better of it's than you bad. would expect for the year mm-hmm. two thousand, and yeah, then a sure. lot of it is just as bad as you'd expect for the year 2000 well, I, and completely superfluous completely yeah that's what i was gonna say why one of the biggest why? Yeah. like why moments is when she's looking in the bath and the bath water is cgi 
the because fuck? Come on. they wanted to show a reflect. Oh god, the setup of that shot is enraging as well. Because the setup of that shot is one third uh, Michelle Pfeiffer, two thirds open water. <laughs> which makes you obviously know something's going to appear in that water. And it, That's true. And it stays on that shot for far too long. That's the type of thing you cut to real quick and show the thing. You yeah, don't totally. show that shot, wait a little bit, then show the thing. Like it's and also how did she know that the thing the thing she saw in the reflection, how did she know its eyes were green? That's yeah, the one real. thing she recognized. Yeah, she's like, Ow. it looks like me, but the eyes were green. How the fuck could you tell that in the reflection in some bath water? And Amber Valletta does not look like Michelle Pfeiffer. I no. mean, they're both blonde ladies that are pretty. That's it. That's about it, though. Yeah. Yeah, and it's funny, too, because like even that scare being so crap is so inconsistent with some of the other stuff in the movie. Like, There's some other things in this where there's some spooky shit that's actually really well yeah. done. That, there's some good that build first up time the that she goes down. Times, yeah. Yeah, that first time that she goes down to the docks and yeah. like you can just barely see like is that a body under the water? Uh-huh. That's or is really it not? Good. Is it just the reflections playing a trick on my eye? Like that's actually really great. I, at yeah. that point, I was still on board with the movie and I was like, "Man, that's good cuz it's subtle." Yeah. And the dog was there too and that I mean that's something we know from our like, you know, from past movies about hauntings and and things like that the the dog reacts to the ghosts and things so like all of that is a great setup for like oh this is gonna be about a ghost and then it's like no 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 it, it's about the next door neighbors but there's kind of a ghost okay no it's not about the next door neighbors it's all about the ghost no actually it's about the husband but there's kind <laughs> of a ghost uh, so and dude, the thing about it too that's so frustrating to me is like after being led around for over two hours, uh huh, over two hours, over two hours around all of these red herrings and these artifacts and these mystical things and these ghosts that are trying to tell her you know and all this kind of shit like this. Uh-huh. At the end of the day, it turns out that she saw Harrison Ford having this affair. And she was like, oh, I forgot because I hit my head in car crash. Yep. I remember now. Like, that's the <laughs> so twist. none of the other stuff was even necessary. You could have just have her having flashes of memory and investigating them. Yeah. What does this mean? What could that be? I have visions of a green, you and a green-eyed woman. What is this? Yeah. All of yeah. that could have, like, come to play. And you, you could eliminate the supernatural element entirely. And then entirely. you just have an interesting thriller. Because, dude, do you need to have elements of amnesia, mm-hmm. lapses in memory, possession, suspected, you know, killing of your neighbor by her right. evil husband or whatever, affairs? Like, uh-huh. do you need all of this stuff to tell this fucking story? I would. Okay. So, it's so lame to me that at the end, it's just like, oh, yeah, I did see that. That's the that's the end of the movie. Oh, I remember. I seen it. Uh-huh. <laughs> Come on, dude. That's stupid as fuck. So... Emily and I were talking uh, when we watched this the other night, and I, I, I just said like, you know, this movie has no reference point if you're not upper middle class and white. <laughs> like seriously, think about this. They show that the uh, the next door neighbor's house is shabby 
It's that still house is gigantic <laughs> and gorgeous, but it's on shabby. the lake, and, and it's, it's on the water. It's like it's like the only reference point they have for how poor people would live would be like, I guess they don't take care of their house or whatever. Wow. And these are like they're professors. Professors make okay money. They could not afford these fucking houses. <laughs> I just like the the idea that. Uh, a bunch of which rich white guys were like, uh, let's represent how a woman might feel when she, uh, you know, because when the kids leave, like she definitely has nothing else to do except I guess cook. Right. That's it. Yeah. Like the concept at the beginning is that first off, everybody's rich and white. Second off, women do not work. That is just mm -hmm. what? Who? What? Like even when they go to the school, if you pay attention all the people that work there are men. That's true. And then at the parties, it's the men and their wives. Like, this is a world that is so disconnected from any sort of reality <laughs> that I recognize that it's... I think it may have been easier in 2000 and maybe why more people connected to it was... but Because there was more of a middle class in 2000. <laughs> like, uh-huh, yeah. It's kind of disappeared uh, a lot over I the past thought years. about it that way, but really all there is to her character is like, I used to play cello. I don't anymore because I had baby. Oh, I hit my head. I forgot stuff. Like, that's really... That's her character. That's it. Yeah. And the thing is, is like, you could <laughs> use things like that. Like, you could use her having lapses of memory in her own life you could use her you it know, putting been, down passions that she used to have because of her family yeah. obligations and stuff and turn this into a, a movie about a woman rediscovering herself and seeing yeah, her husband's infidelities and shit like mm -hmm. this but or, they didn't or, like yeah like if if they had played up the memory loss bit yeah like she could have remembered a conversation she had with the next door neighbor wife that made her think that the guy might kill her and then like because she doesn't remember say that the the chick left or something she uh, confronts him like why did you kill your wife and he's like what are you talking like she's just in you know wherever boston or something like yeah yeah it's all about, about her loss yeah it's all about her loss of memory not just oh suddenly i don't remember how people behave well, and two, like, that could totally play into, uh, again, this is just easy ways to make this fucking movie better. This could <laughs> easily play into the fact that if Harrison Ford was trying to manipulate her and make her doubt her own memories and sanity, there could have been stuff the whole movie where he was like, I told you about that. You forgot because of your head injury. Yeah. No, you did. That didn't happen. Yeah. It's your head injury. Like, he could have used that to yeah, gaslight her and stuff the whole movie. You know what I mean? Exactly. I wrote that down when I was taking notes the first time. I was like, gaslighting? Because I, I was thinking, like, maybe that's where it's going like it it just like it's hard to get a sense of where it's going maybe people watch this a second time hoping it would have that like sixth sense stir of echoes thing yeah where it's like maybe that's why it made so much money because people saw it twice like yeah, people probably. saw it once and they were like boy what? i had trouble following that movie they came to watch it again and they're like oh nothing oh, to that. follow gotcha yeah Go yeah ahead. you know what when you look at it that way Hundred million dollar budget. Maybe it actually did just barely make one hundred and fifty million, which is barely over budget after advertising. Yeah. And everybody saw it twice because they were so like, "I must have fallen asleep and missed something." Because there's no way that uh, Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford would be in a movie that just doesn't make any sense in the end, right? No, no way. Yeah, it's, this is on me. I missed something here. Yeah, I, I, this. I mean, it's upsetting in the end because, like, I, I think Michelle Pfeiffer does a, a great job in this. 
Um, I think Harrison Ford does a fine job, but I, I think he has the problem of not being able to attach himself to the role, really. Like, well, yeah, because his it, role is just like he's a dutiful, you know, may, maybe somewhat yeah. aloof husband for a lot of it. And then at the end, he's like, I guess I kill people. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. Get in that water. <laughs> uh, it's just like, yeah, like he when he talks about like having killed the uh, what was her name? Oh, shit. Uh, Madison. Mm -hmm. By the way, Madison was probably a popular baby name around now, but there were no adults named Madison right. in the year 2000. <laughs> uh, so when he's talking about having killed her, he does suddenly look like a psychopath. Yeah. Like he suddenly it's like, oh, he just doesn't care. But it's all such an about face. The, yeah, all up to this point, he hasn't exhibited any signs of that. He's not, he doesn't seem to have superficial charm. He seems to actually care about her. He seems to actually be invested in his work and and not just trying to get uh, ahead. But then, like, they turn that around and say that somehow that's what he's doing, that he's trying to get ahead. Like, I never understood that part because he talks about meeting that one professor who wrote a book that he really likes and then the professor said something about his dad and like he took it as like an insult. I, mm -hmm. I didn't get his entire story. What was no. he like? He he's supposed to be living in his dad's shadow, but like he doesn't play it off as though he's living in anyone's shadow. He just seems like he seems like Indiana Jones at home when he doesn't have anything else to do. <laughs> like that's just probably how he is. Just like, yeah. oh yeah, I'm reading a book or whatever. Like Yeah, I didn't I didn't really get the arc of, of why he turned out the way that he did. It just seemed like a very sudden, like one eighty, like, oh, I guess I'm the killer because there has to be a bad guy in this movie. <laughs> I almost I almost feel like with Harrison Ford, like I don't know how he gets into roles. He he seems like he's probably the type of guy who, who doesn't put too much effort into trying to make himself the character he's he's more of a the character is harrison ford type of guy yeah christopher walken type yeah i i wonder if he just didn't read the whole script and when like so he was <laughs> playing the whole first of the movie the way the script read like oh i'm a good husband yeah <laughs> then he got to those last bits and he's like uh, what <laughs> i'm a bad guy i guess i'm i'm gonna bad guy you you just wait and the thing is, too, is, like, even at the end after, you know, Michelle Pfeiffer puts the pieces together, has him call the cops on himself, which is dumb as fuck, by the yeah, way. Yeah, and it's obvious, like, of course he's going to dial a fake. Now, I, even while he was dialing it, I this was before I had seen the movie, while he was dialing it, I was like, I'd dial a fake number if I were him. Yeah, obviously. Of and course. that's what he did. Duh. Yeah. And you know how you do. After you call the cops, you go, I'm going to go take a shower now. Uh-huh. What? And, and by the way, you can tell when someone's in the shower and when the shower's just running. I know. There is an audible <laughs> difference. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. People in movies, they don't fucking get it, man. They don't. They no. don't. No. But, but like, <laughs> even the fact that he's like, well, I'm really hosed now. I guess I got to murder my wife. It would have been such a, a cool, like, power dynamic and power play for him to be like, nobody will believe you. Your head injury crazy. Right. Lady. Yes, that's exactly where I thought it was going to go. I really, truly did not expect it to go like, well, I guess I got to kill you. I'm now. caught now. Yeah. That's so it, stupid. Yeah, it, it really, it, it was missing so much throughout. But I'll tell you this, 
uh, while watching it it didn't i it didn't enrage me in the way like a final destination enraged me where it's like oh i get the rules of your movie they're stupid (laughs) well that's the thing is like the movie just doesn't try hard enough to make you mad even exactly it's apathy like that's the the one thing you'll hear about professional wrestling is you want to hear boos or cheers you don't mm-hmm. want yeah. in, anything in the middle. You want Silent it to be room all is the cheers, worst. all booze. You don't want just like, uh, who's that? Yeah. yeah. This is just a who's that movie. There's just so many questions that I have too, where like even at the very end of the movie, which, which you know, is like kind of suspenseful where she's like driving in the truck and he's, you know, he's back there in the bed of the truck and all that stuff. It's reasonably suspenseful. Yeah. And then she happens to drive off the bridge and just have dead ass balls accurate aim to land on the vehicle containing the corpse of the other woman that he killed incredible accuracy right there i'm glad but then the thing is is like okay we've dealt with visions of ghosts and stuff in this movie but you're telling me that in the universe that this movie exists reanimated corpse will be dragging somebody down into the water like you're telling me that they, the, the ghost will take corporeal form and reanimate mm-hmm. a corpse that's living in the bottom of the water, physically grab somebody, and pull them down. And that that form is not consistent. The first time you see her, she looks like she just died a second ago. Yeah. Then she's like more decayed and then differently yeah, she's decayed. Like, now like, I can rest now. Yeah. It's. I, what I'm the fuck you- universe is this in? I don't know. I'm glad you just mentioned the bridge because I'm reminded of how many times this movie it like almost yells, "Hey, pay attention to this detail. This will matter uh, later. They're coming yeah. up with a with a secret drug that'll paralyze rats, but they can still be totally conscious and breathing, uh-huh. but they can't move their bodies. <laughs> Think that'll matter later? Maybe. I, wink, I like wink. The, I like that they also added the detail. Works for about five minutes." Sometimes three. What? <laughs> uh, but as they're, as they're crossing the bridge, he pulls out his cell phone, and she's like, remember, you don't get service until halfway through the bridge. <laughs> That's not clumsy exposition at all. <laughs> what? And I, I, I mean, like, I, I get that you need exposition, but when you find yourself delivering such heavy-handed exposition, maybe you need to rethink the way the story develops. If the story hinges on people knowing what halothane is, (laughs) then maybe just don't use halothane. Yeah. Maybe there's a better way around Show him injecting her with something. We all get it. Mm -hmm. Like, you don't have to describe exactly what the drug does. Yes. Yeah, it's it's that kind of thing where it's like it shows very little faith in the audience to put the pieces together. You know, like there's yeah, there's movies that we've done where it's just like, man, I love that this movie trusts that the audience will figure out themselves without spelling everything out directly for us. Like there there's movies that do that very well, and then there's other yeah. movies that strand you and you're like, I have no idea what's going on here, nor could I. And then there's stuff like this that just spoon feeds it to you so much that you're like, yeah, I get it. I know. Yeah. <laughs> and when they do so, if they're if you're going to spoon feed something to someone, like make sure it's spoon feedable. 
Like, don't, don't like just be dipping your spoon in 15 different things and shoving it in somebody's mouth. <laughs> like, really make it a digestible bite. Right. Like, a simple story. Not something where you're constantly twisting and turning and where nobody could possibly catch up with you because you haven't given them the the information or the time. Sure, sure, totally, ma'am. Yeah, this is one of those ones that would have been, I think, a good candidate for another episode of, you know, watch this, or sorry, watch that, not this, that we do sometimes on the preview yeah. palace because yeah. there's so many things where you see in this movie, like, oh, okay, I get it. If they would have let that idea marinate, for 48 hours they could have had memento or they could have had yeah Hereditary, oh yeah for sure or any of those movies you know mm-hmm. or the gift the gift is another one kind of from that era the gift for sure yeah sam raimi uh written by billy bob thornton much better movie than this but still similar very similar yeah. in a lot of ways but it, it it all it's consistent it all makes sense you understand why the things are happening instead of it being like the thing happens and now you have to try to understand what's happening. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, this movie just feels like it really tried to cram too many horror tropes into itself without actually fully committing to being a horror movie. I mean, like I said, Possession, right. Witch Book, Ouija Board, like reanimated corpses, oh, ghosts, like all I'm, this shit that like reeks of horror movies, but then it's not really a horror movie. I'm glad you brought up the Ouija Board because... So she she buys this the Ouija board. I had that exact same uh, Ouija board. No doubt, it was a Parker Parker Brothers, I believe. Uh, and she got it at Kmart. I did as well. Oh shit! Uh, for my eleventh birthday, my my mom uh, gave me money, and I walked to Kmart and walked out with a Ouija board. And a week later, returned it because guess what, Ben? It didn't work. <laughs> <laughs> no and i remember the man i remember the manager laughing as i handed it to him yeah. and he was like all right he's like fair whatever. enough i'll yeah. take it <laughs> of course enough. it didn't fucking work that's funny man that's funny yeah i don't know man i just don't really know what what they were thinking and it's just so it's so long and it's so repetitive like dude how many times does she come in and the door is already open and that fucking picture is falling down again like <sighs> it's so repetitive Oh, also, <laughs> Emily asked this question. I didn't even notice it. You know when she finds that key, which... Yeah. Uh, oh, come on. Is like uh, down in fi- that vent for some reason? She's down in that vent. The vent goes to nowhere. It is a vent to a lower part of the floor. Like, the, the, there's no hole in the vent. Yeah, it would have fallen down in there. It just falls through the vent to a, just another, like, level of floor that's a quarter inch lower than the other floor. Like... What what the fuck was that vent for? <laughs> it really was just there so the key would fall into it? Like you that couldn't follows have the it, logic of the rest of the movie, I guess. Like the set design couldn't have just put some hole in it somewhere. Yeah, it, any it better way for her to find that, man. Yeah, I, I know what you mean. And like I said, that just goes into that whole artifact hunt that was just yeah. stupid and a waste it of time. It really was. It really it's just was. long, dude. Like usually whenever we're done with one of these movies and I'm taking notes for it, you know, usually after we're done, it's like while the credits are rolling, I'll scribble down a bunch of my initial reactions about the movie and thoughts about like, oh, this could have meant this. This is a commentary on this and that. I'll put those down in the margins of my notes, and it's like literally the only note that I wrote down after this is over is feels like two hours. That's it all I does. Wrote. It feels like a whole two hours. And I mean, we've done so many, so many other movies on this show that's just like 
I can't believe that was two hours. It just flew by. This absolutely felt like two hours. This could be uh, seen as more of a a meditation. Like, (laughs) it's like a way to make your brain operate a lot in two hours without actually making you stress about the world. (laughs) Because you're so, you're so like laser focused on this movie and it not ever coming to a point where it makes sense or connecting to any real world issue or really being something that you would ever experience in your own life. But it makes that two hours go by without you really paying attention to anything else. Like I, I really did find myself watching this the whole time. Just like, okay, so where's that going to go? Like, like my brain was like these things have to work together it just reminds me of watching lost yes that's it like this has to mean something and then it's like no it doesn't it's so much like lost it has to mean something and at the end it doesn't and you're just like the fuck man like then why was it in there six years yeah (laughs) i mean yeah Obviously, we've had a we've had a lot of negative things to say about the movie. I mean, there there are a few positives to it. Sure. Uh, the the soundtrack is really good. Great, Alan Silvestri is amazing. Always yeah. nails it. Yeah, it's very very like old school classic Hitchcock, yeah. kind of way. Mm-hmm. Like very big dramatic string sections and stuff. I liked the soundtrack a lot. It was very suspenseful and added yeah. a lot to the movie, and it it needed something to add to it. So it the soundtrack really was was better than this movie needed to be, and Michelle Pfeiffer and Harrison Ford's performances were better than this movie needed to be. Sure. There's no moment mm. where I was just like, man, that's just some fucking garbage dialogue, or like, no. that was delivered super weird. Everybody in the movie was was good. Yeah, that's true. Uh, I, I think the chemistry between Michelle Pfeiffer and Diana Scarwood, who plays Joey, Jody, is really good. They do have yeah, more believable. of a like, natural banter to them. It's, it's, yeah, there are positives. And it's definitely been an inspiration, I would say, because this, if you watch Ringu and then watch this, you see how they got to the ring. Because the Mm, ring is a a remake of Ringu, but it's not, it it doesn't follow Ringu that closely. It's Mm -hmm. much closer to this with the like slow revelations and things and the rain, the constant rain, the uh, huge amount of water involved, like it really does visually remind me of the ring and also like the the story kind of develops in a lot of the same ways Uh, and also a pretty blonde lady as as the star but uh the ring actually goes somewhere (laughs) like all of the things that they reveal in the ring is like oh this is all leading to samara um this it doesn't have that so it, it definitely has inspired though the ring uh, uh american horror story season one the setup of the family is essentially the same uh he got a doctor who cheated with one of his uh students uh a pretty wife who's slowly discovering all these things in her house uh the ghosts basically <laughs> um like they also used music from uh what lies beneath in season oh. one of american horror story just as a further indication that it was an inspiration. Yeah, it's pretty on the nose right there. Yeah. yeah. Right so th- this movie had definitely some positive effect. And I think it exists in a time that we just can't recapture. So mm-hmm. like we can never understand why people liked it so much. 
but I, I do think we've kind of gotten at it where it's like kind of a limited thing like there just weren't as many options of entertainment 20 years ago and and really like it's it's a robert zemeckis movie starring harrison ford and michelle pfeiffer like in 20 years ago you hear that you're like that's a pretty safe bet with my ticket dollars yeah totally so i i can see why a lot of people wouldn't watch it but right. uh, surprising i'm surprised by how many people still love it but i wonder uh, what the last time they saw it was honestly that's, it's yeah. kind of like to me it kind of reminds me of of people that still talk about the Halloween franchise and all the sequels like they right. really love them. And I'm like, right. I don't know. Have, when's the last time you watched part five? Because it's... Because it's pretty rough. <laughs> it's bad. It's not good yeah. at all, you know? Yeah. Yeah, I yeah. I think maybe some of that, some of the... But, like, I, I think that the... As I was saying, the nostalgia must be warranted. Like, there was a time when this captured something. That I remember liking it when it came out. Yeah, I mean, so, when I yeah. watched it at that party, I remember having a good time. And, and my buddy Josh was always really into this one too because we were like, yeah, it's not really a straight horror thing. It's like a psychological right. thing and it has cool elements to it. But yeah, going back to it, not really. Yeah, just doesn't, doesn't still have the same effect, which I think is kind of, uh, it's a good thing for Hollywood, really, when they uh, see that the landscape has changed and they can't do these things anymore yeah like now that now that you get instant feedback and like everything is is now 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 i mean there's definitely negatives to that but i think it has helped entertainment to get more streamlined to what people actually like instead of going for the widest possible audience which i think this hits in a lot yeah. of ways because it has all the things that a wide audience would love Big names, uh, looks great, awesome music, and pretty then people. Also, pretty people, and then also a story that develops in a way that at least makes you think it's going somewhere, despite the fact that it doesn't get there. At least it it, it leads you along, and really did have me like just paying attention to it the first time I watched it. So sure, it's got a lot going for it. It's effective in some ways, but just yeah. Overall, not one that I'm exactly chomping at the bit to to watch again. I really <laughs> wanted to rewatch it uh, before we did this podcast. I just watched it the one time the other night. I wanted to watch it again, but I just really had a hard time being like, "Yeah, yeah but I could watch all this other stuff to instead." It? Right. Yeah, it's like I could watch a Mighty Wind instead of this. I could, you know, clean my bathroom countertops instead of this. It's like it's just such a <laughs> a huge chunk of time to watch this again. I just couldn't find the inspiration to do it, and I don't see myself watching this again anytime soon man what kind of a what kind of a rating would you slap on this thing okay so uh the well this is nowhere near as good as my middle of the road movie <laughs> uh, so gosh where do i put it? it it's probably around like two and a half to three probably yeah. but yeah. like i'm gonna i'm gonna look toward three i'm gonna say it's it's a little bit higher than two and a half because uh the performances are good and like i you know you you just you kind of you feel bad at the end of this that all of the positives didn't add up to a positive ending like sure. this could have had a really positive ending where like you do want to go back and watch it again and see the stuff that you maybe missed but it, it really just does not develop into that. And mm -hmm. so it's, 
just unfortunately uh doesn't hold up i guess to what it was 20 years ago yeah i'm right there with you man i I think for i think for me i will give this you know an extra little bonus because the soundtrack is good there are some good subtle scares in there Mm -hmm. and and yeah um pfeiffer and harrison's uh chemistry on on screen is good and yeah. it's competently shot and stuff so i think i'll probably i'll go for a rare 0.75 rating here i think i'm okay. gonna say like 3.75 whoa damn yeah totally not in a rush to watch this again anytime soon man wouldn't no. strongly recommend it especially when there's just so many movies out there that do everything this tried to do yeah um, but better one, yeah and exactly and they just pick one concept at a time and do it rather than trying yeah. to do them all in the same movie and it turns out none of them really matter, you know? You know what this movie actually reminded me of? And not huh. not in the exact way the story plays out, but but in the way the reveals and stuff. It reminded me of the Lindsay Lohan movie, I Know Who Killed Me. <laughs> and just so you know, in that movie, she has a robot arm and leg, and it is not a movie about the future. <laughs> That's just a side plot. I love She's it already. A robot arm and leg. I love it already. I definitely need to watch that one now as a palate cleanser, I think. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> well, Steve, next week on the show, we're going to be drawn out of that smoke and bowl of Patreon picks because everybody yeah. that signs up for the Patreon page at the $5 or above, if you care to donate, level gets to toss in a movie suggestion into the smoke and bowl that we randomly draw out, yeah. uh, usually the, the fourth episode of every month, right? Yeah. Yeah, and uh, that episode is... Scream 2. OMG! I cannot wait to see that movie for the first time or again, depending on what movie it is that you drew out of the bowl that you're going to edit into the episode later. Same, Ben. I'm excited or less than excited. Yeah. I can or (laughs) cannot wait to see that. Well, you guys be sure to tune in next time and check out our thoughts on the aforementioned movie in the meantime do us a huge favorite go on itunes rate and review well, i say ititunes i'm so old now it's just like whatever apple music yeah, or whatever right a- apple podcasts apple i guess pod- uh, podcasts yeah yeah i'm old leave me alone get off my cloud and my get out of my lawn i think that's how it goes right <laughs> i don't know but go on wherever you can review the show review it Leave a five-star review. Leave yourself a, uh, a good review that's G-rated, and they'll post it, and it really helps us out. Put up a question at the end of your review that we'll answer on a future um, Preview Palace FAQ, FAQ segment like we did last week. Those are always a lot of fun. So be sure to leave yourself a question at the end of your review. really helps us out a ton. And you guys can oh, also yeah. follow us on the social media that's right, at Dead Lovely Pod on Twitter and Instagram. Uh, also, as we said, head on over to, to patreon.com forward slash dead and lovely and become a patron. If you're a $5 patron, you get to, to randomly. So, oh, fuck, shit. <laughs> Just leave that in. That was good. Okay. <laughs> if you're a $5 patron, you get to submit a title and we randomly draw uh, next week's movie, which is, of course, Scream 2. That one was randomly drawn. Woo! <laughs> Well, yeah, you guys have been fantastic. Hope everybody out there is doing well, staying uh, happy and healthy and sane and staying home as much as you fucking can. Be sure to wash your hands and your ass. Your ass. Mm-hmm. And tune into the show next week. We look forward to hearing from you guys and uh, catching up with you on the Facebook group, Discord page, all that kind of stuff. So stay in touch with us. Holla at your boy and tune in next week for another episode of Dead and Lovely. 
Well, you guys have been fantastic as always. We have been Uncle Ben. Hollywood Steve. And we'll catch you guys in about a week. All right, Steve, so we were doing the thing that we've all been doing, of course, during lockdown and doing some some deep cleaning the other day, right? Oh, yeah. And uh, I had assigned myself the task of like fully deep cleaning our bathroom, you know, going in there, getting in all those nooks and crannies and stuff and uh-huh. really making sure I got everything clean, right? Okay. So in the process of doing this, I, I started cleaning off the top of all the counters and the cabinets in there. Mm-hmm. And there next to the sink, there is a towel cabinet that's about like 12 feet high. It's really, really tall. So I, of course, oh. I've never seen the top of it. <laughs> so I went and got myself a chair and I stood up on the, uh, the counter where the sink is. That way I could dust off the top of this thing. And I found a startling artifact from the people that apparently lived here maybe before us, maybe many times before us. I'm not sure. Uh-huh. But I took a photograph of these artifacts. I'm going to send it to you right now. I want you, to describe, okay. I want you to describe to the listeners what it is that you're seeing. Well, it looks to me, Ben, like it's uh, four cans of... <laughs> well, well, we got a can of Skull and three cans of Grizzly. <laughs> Just some old Backer. chaw. Chaw. <laughs> That somebody had hidden on top of this oh, counter. This that's counter. sad. Oh no! <laughs> Hiding his chaw habit. <laughs> and every time he wanted to go get him a dip, he had to like climb up on there. <laughs> what if he was? What if it was Robert Wadlow, that eleven foot dude from the uh, <laughs> yeah. Guinness Book of World Records? <laughs> He'd have no problem with that. Yeah, no problem. Yeah. That's just a shelf to him. It's not hidden at all. <laughs> <laughs> so that's some new old stock chaw up there, man. <laughs> I was really excited though. Like I was hoping that I would open them up and find that it was actually full of like diamonds or rubies. That or would something. have been amazing. Yeah, it was just a bunch <laughs> of old dried out dip though. <laughs> <laughs> so probably no value. <laughs>